following podcast is presented by Secret Room Multimedia. I'm Nathan Kapiser. And I'm Craig Lewis. This is the second episode of our gaming-themed trilogy. Last week we looked at RPGs. Would you consider this to be more epic than the Nolan trilogy? Oh. Christopher Nolan trilogy? More epic than any trilogy ever. Ever! We need a a score. Can uh, Can we cue an epic score to... There we go. That sounds about right. This week on Fairpoint, we're going to delve deep into one of the most prolific games in history. It's on. You'll get caught up in it. <laughs> it's not Crossfire. It's chess. So yeah, we're looking at fucking chess. Last week was RPGs, this week's chess. And what are we looking at next week, Craig? Oh, only one of the biggest sporting events in the world, the Super Bowl. Awesome. You can just hear the excitement I can, in my I can voice. see it oozing from you. Because <laughs> anybody that knows you knows that one of your favorite things to do is watch football. Oh, geez. <laughs> you know me. I mean, this guy. I'm always like, "Gosh, Nathan, I'm kind of, I'm kind of tired of football. Can we just, just like?" You have such a one note personality. It's <laughs> sports, sports, sports with you, Nathan. Jesus Christ, Nathan! All I'm saying is, can we sit down and watch Pokemon? You're like, "No, the football game's on." <laughs> In some strange alternate universe. We each have goatees. Like you have a goatee on top of your beard. <laughs> <laughs> top of my beard, I have another goatee. Evil Craig. Although it's not. He's not actually evil. He's just. So wouldn't evil Craig be? Craig without a beard? Uh, no. It'd be the opposite. It'd just be what I you'd am. have a goatee on top of the beard. <laughs> I think it should be a Craig, cheap fake goatee. Craig without any facial Paste hair. Down. You come over next week, you're all sh- clean shaven. I'm like, I'm like Nathan, Craig, I've been sent here to kill you. Batter down the doors. No, no, Nathan, I just I'm, I have a new job interview and I needed to shave. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Go back to your other universe. So Craig, I have a proposition. Uh, no, no, I remember last time we talked about propositioning somebody, it it never, it didn't end up well at all. Police were involved. It's just bad news. Yeah. But that was just because we, we came at it all wrong. Our attitudes were all backwards this time, this time it's going to be different. It's going to be different. No, but seriously. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard, but Eminem is in the news recently. Yeah, and I don't know if you've heard that he's in the news recently for uh, saying homophobic stuff in his songs. Uh, this is actually actually has been going on for about ten years or so, fifteen, fifteen or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just been a constant like 
steady news story that just like, never got put to rest. Yeah. Oh, Eminem. Yeah, isn't he the guy that that sings about his penis and uh, so, makes fun of gay people? <laughs> well, here's his defense, as always, as he's been saying for the last 15 years. When I, and this is Eminem, not me speaking, but he says when he says the word gay or faggot, it doesn't have anything to do with somebody's sexual orientation. So they shouldn't get upset about it because to him, it just means you're a punk or you're a wuss. You know what I mean? Or, right. or you're, you're, you're acting like a bitch. Um, so, weirdly enough, I do know what you mean, but I have a counter thought on that because I, you know, a lot of people grew up and a lot of, a lot of children said that, would say, oh, that's so gay. Not meaning, oh, that's so homosexual, but that's just really stupid or dumb. It's something that, you know, you really heard around the schoolyard a lot, like middle school. And to me, that just shows me that Eminem never grew up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> true. It is, but you, you take responsibility for the things right. you say. A lot of people that grow up in certain environments hear the N-word a lot. And that doesn't mean that everyone who hears it chooses to use it. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Maybe a lot of people who grow up with racist grandparents or, you know what I mean, their family or yeah. just in an area of the country that's not as culturally sensitive, I guess. Right, but I didn't hear people slinging that left and right on the school, on the playground. You didn't. I'm sure there's some people that grew up that did, though. Well, yeah. I didn't. And regardless. Regardless. It's, you take, you as an adult especially, take responsibility for the words you say. So and There's another talk on growing up. Eminem says there's no reason to be upset just because I'm saying gay doesn't mean I'm saying anything about homosexual people. It just means dumb, stupid, lame. Which is still wrong. So, well, here's my proposition. How about we call anything that's dumb or stupid or we call somebody that's a punk or just a really obnoxious, unlikable person an Eminem? And he can't get mad. Oh, my he God. Did you mad. see that Eminem at the bar last week? Yeah. Oh, he just was so drunk and crazy. And just, oh, I just couldn't get over how Eminem he was. Yeah, basically the type of person that Eminem would call a faggot, supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah, not a homosexual person, but somebody that Eminem says, oh, it has nothing. So, yeah, Eminem, you can't get mad. This has nothing to do with being a white rapper from Detroit. It just means you're a really obnoxious, unlikable person. Yay, we created has, words. Yeah, it has nothing to do with our previously existing feelings about the person that this word originally referred to. We just took a word that originally meant one thing and we changed to the thousands meaning. of people and we changed the meaning for our changed own purposes. the meaning. With no negative feelings attached. So you can't get offended. You're not allowed to. Yeah. Although I feel like Those are the rules. we could also get pretty confused because you might say that and I'll be like, wait, Marshall Mathers? <laughs> and I, then, I can agree with this, though. And Let's... then you throw the candy into the mix and it's just, oh my God, it's all downhill. Oh, there. God. <laughs> so, Nathan, I hear that there was a new Secret Room podcast coming up that you are creating. You have helmed. Yes. You heard correctly. I assume you must have uh, listened to our New Year's episode, Craig. In which I told Craig and the rest of the world, I announced... Uh, I got really lucky because I didn't hear it from there. I heard it from Reddit. <laughs> There's a whole subreddit just devoted to... Sylph Radio or some shit? Sylph Radio, a Pokemon podcast. The second Secret Room multimedia podcast. Hey, we're growing, even though it's just us so far. <laughs> well, this is, yeah, this is my side project, if you will. If you're into Pokemon, give it a check out. It's every episode centers on a different topic in the Pokemon universe. It's like Fairpoint, if Fairpoint was in the Pokemon universe, I guess. 
Fairpoint only talked about Pokemon and Pokemon-related things. Yeah, sure. And every episode is myself and a different guest host. Uh, you can look forward to hearing Craig on our second episode. And or don't. I don't really care. <laughs> you can look forward to it. You don't have to. Though. You don't I mean, have to look forward yeah, to it whatever. either. I mean, <laughs> that what makes do me you. cool. But, I don't care. <laughs> The, the podcast will be premiering in February. However, keep listening. After the closing theme plays, we will be showcasing a special exclusive sneak peek into the first episode of Self Radio. I know I will keep my ears tuned. And if you're not into Pokemon, you can stop listening at the end of the podcast. <laughs> you dick. Whatever, guys. But hey, I oh, mean, you supported us. You, you might still, you might still enjoy it anyway. Gosh, give, I'm gonna give go the talk clip to my listen. other fans. <laughs> give the clip a listen if if you're interested to hear more. Then uh, head over to Facebook.com/slash Silf Radio Podcast. Give us a like and stay abreast of Silf Radio news. But most importantly, stay abreast. <laughs> I just like the way that sounded. I'm sorry. Speaking of staying abreast of news, uh, apparently Jenny McCarthy <laughs> news breasts pulled a gun from her vagina after an argument with her husband about space oh, aliens. Oh, wait, this was Jenny McCarthy. I the do, Jenny McCarthy. I do regretfully have to inform you that it was not the ex Playboy model Jenny McCarthy. It was Jennifer McCarthy, ex wife of Pulitzer Prize winning novelist Cormac McCarthy. Oh, man, you had everybody fooled. I was like, Jenny McCarthy has finally gone cuckoo. She finally did it. I mean, I called it like 10 years ago, but... Well, no, apparently this lady, um, I guess she and her boyfriend argued about space aliens, not to be confused Which is a, with Earth aliens. Seems you know, like your everyday run-of-the-mill couples argument, yes? <laughs> <laughs> hey, couples argue about some stupid shit. For real, <laughs> Obviously, this got super heated. I think what they were actually arguing about was Obama's take on Area 51. <laughs> and he was like, no, he said there's nothing there. She's like, you want to bet? She just pulled a handgun out of her vuzhi. Her shaji. Her vuzhi. I don't even. Oh, so dirty. The reverence you show for <laughs> female sexuality is, is, is uh, breathtaking, Craig. You're welcome. Vuzhi. Thank you for her zhaji, her hoo-ha, her Thank you for taking all beauty and uh, tact out of... Okay, well, it's not as fun to just say her vaginal orifice. Okay, I guess that's a little technical. How do we, I mean, how do we approach this story then without being... Whew, let's be juvenile. Whatever, if Eminem can do it all damn day, we could do it for five minutes. Basically, they were arguing, and then, I don't know, she left. Eventually, she came back. Changed into some sexy lingerie. Started performing a sex act on herself with a gun. Uh, <laughs> Do aliens get her hot? And then she pulled out the gun and pointed it at her boyfriend and asked him, quote unquote, who is crazy? You or me? Well, I would, I, I would have to tend to usually agree with the person pointing a gun at my face. <laughs> you're, cra- you're crazier. You're- I mean, I'm crazier. I don't know. I don't know, babe. <laughs> You're right, you're right. There's a reptilian aristocracy controlling our economy. I'm sorry I ever insinuated that the pyramids were built by greys. And she's like, that's right. Man, if only I knew my entire life that it would be this easy to win an argument if you had a gun. In your vagina. I would, I would have 
I would have been controlling all the arguments in my vagina gun. I think she does qualify as crazy. I don't know. I mean, uh, so would you say she's being a total Eminem? What she did was totally Eminem. That was totally Eminem. I'm still getting the hang of, of how to it's use the word. It's not fair to just judge somebody for being an Eminem, Craig. You're born that way. You don't choose to be an Eminem. No, I believe you do. You do through ignorance <laughs> and hate. <laughs> Meanwhile, her ex-husband, Cormac McCarthy, is just face-palming like, oh, god damn it. What did I get myself into? Rule number one, pal, you don't argue with Jenny about aliens. <laughs> if she says something about aliens, you just... You just let her go. I should have briefed your you on this. I pick your battles, you. just like the reptilian aristocracy does. <laughs> Rule number two, when she starts fucking herself with a loaded gun, you just leave. You just leave. Yeah, she's Get obviously car, looking for a time. Go for time. a drive, like... Blow off some steam before she blows off some steam. I.e. your face. No, no, no. That would mean that would be her performing oral sex on the gun. And then after that, she might blow off some steam. I.e. your face. I.e. your face. Yes. If she is performing acts with the gun on herself, trust me, you uh, she wants nothing to do with you at that point. She dressed up for herself. (laughs) She did it for her pleasure. And God damn it, she's not crazy. No, I ask this. Who is crazy? <laughs> Bosnian John Travolta or you? Now, uh, this news is a little less about debauchery and a little more about movies. Cool. Do you remember the series, the Naked Gun series? I do. I hear they're remaking it. Crave Online had an interview with screenwriter Ben Garrett who is obviously writing the screenplay for the reboot slash sequel slash I don't know. He said, and I think he thinks he's funny, but reading it, it doesn't seem like he's that funny, so I don't know if there's high hopes for it. He goes, right now, we're calling it episode four, A New Hope. That will change, but that's the working title. Our take is that Ed Helms is Frank Drebin, no relation. That's how he introduces himself. Was that supposed to be funny? Just even the title, that's not comedy, that's not even parody, that is just plain old ripping off Star Wars? I think that's kind of clever to be like episode four, A New Hope. So Ed Helms is playing the lead, that's interesting. Yes, Frank Drebin. Well, obviously they couldn't get um, Leslie, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen to do it. Dude, that would Rest be fantastic. Peace, if he came down from heaven and did it? Yes. <laughs> oh my God, why, won't, why wouldn't they Why, why don't, don't they we just do have that? hologram Leslie Nielsen play Frank Drebin? Right? What? Say we didn't just create a better story than them. I actually vacillate a little bit. I just saw a movie the other day with Ed Helms in it. A little gem that came out in 2012 called Jeff Who Lives at Home. Have you heard of it? I have. Is that have the one it? with... Uh, Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel. Yes, I watched that. I've never that. heard of it. I liked it. It was surprisingly good. It Somber, wasn't great. but optimistic. It, yeah, it, which shows it. he could actually be a pretty good actor. I liked it a lot, yeah. I also saw another movie recently that, uh, that I kind of slept on. It's taken me a while to see this. Wreck-It Ralph. Yes. Have you seen it? I have. A lot of, a lot of my friends are fans of it. I don't know, man. I'm kinda... I thought it was kind of clever as a fan of video games. Some of it was pretty funny. Uh, a couple of my friends love it that I work with, and they built it up so much that it just didn't reach the level that they built it up to for me seeing it. I was expecting something exponentially grand, like like maybe the next Wally or something. 
Now, it's going to sound like I'm blasting this film, and I don't want it to sound like that. Let me, so let me preface this with this statement. It's not a bad movie. It is not by any means. I'll consider it a good movie. Bad movie. There's nothing that I can say this is bad about this movie, you know? But it's not that engaging. The plot, the characters, the, um, it, the jokes all fall short to me. The animation is spectacular. Yep. Hearing the like the casting is great. All the, all the whole cast is great, and hearing the cast do their voice acting and doing pretty well in that field when they're more accustomed to live acting. Yeah, live acting is is really good, and uh, seeing the animators match the expressions that really are reminiscent of the people doing the voice. You can see Sarah Silverman's body language. I was just going to say, and, Sarah Silverman was in that movie, right? Yeah, and what's, and what's her name? I, she had Jane Lynch. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to say, Sarah Silverman does have some... She, she's got a little bit of experience doing animation because she's been on an episode or two of The Simpsons. True. Because, you know, that counts as extreme experience. <laughs> uh, no, I can definitely see what you're saying. And my take on this, on the movie, is this. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I did like some of the jokes, but it just didn't reach the level that my friends built and it up to. see a lot of those jokes and stuff. First of all, okay, the plot. There's not really anything there. Whenever, like, no, the Ralph plots, just wants to be a good guy. The plot doesn't really move anywhere. Whenever a new character is introduced, I don't feel like I care. I don't feel like it matters. Like, why, why do I care about this like character? it's just the next one? Other than the fact that, oh, dude, that's who that voice is. That's the guy from 30 Rock. Ah, oh, that's awesome. He's doing such a great job. But I, I see no reason to care about all these other characters. And, like... Joseph Gordon-Levitt? He's doing such a great job with his life. Yeah, good for him. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No. No, the guy from... You said... Oh, I'm sorry. You said 30, 30 rock. rock, and I'm thinking Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> My 30 bad. Rock. But I don't know, man. Like, the jokes, I feel I'll like... I'll stop you right there. The one Cuber joke I thought was a gem. Which one? The one where he was holding the sign where he was homeless. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. I thought I was just... I was like, that's great. See, to me, that was cool. The minutia, like all the details in the animation was brilliant. See, it's, it's kind of like this movie suffers greatly from the fact that the internet's been doing this for over a decade. So, like, the internet's been doing this take on video gaming and characters living in the video game world and stuff like right. that for so long. But None of it, it seems nice fresh. isn't it nice to see it in uh, better animation? Yes, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. That's its strength is that now you're seeing Disney do it. So, Disney has the budget to do all these little details. But I know like, what you're talking about. Everything from life in a game to, like, Street Fighter the later years. And... To even when we were in high school looking at little videos on Newgrounds, you yes. know, pre-YouTube and yes. shit. Like, Flash animation videos. And I've seen a lot of ones that do that comedy better than Wreck-It Ralph did. Spectacular cast. How dare you? There's a battalion of people getting paid to make that shit funny. And you're going to sit there and say two stoners in their basement did a better job with the comedy? Like I said. How dare you? Not bashing the movie. It's not a bad movie. Check it out. It's not a waste of time. But it didn't really engage me. I I, kind of like finished it just to finish it. So Australia's National Science Agency has publicly apologized. For what this time? Was it Paul Hogan? <laughs> For what this time? They're always in the news. That Is, oh, no, wait, National wait. Science that was Agency. the last time they apologized was for Paul Hogan. This time it was Russell Crowe. Actually, this time it was for failing to invent a dragon or dragon aid. 
or Dragon Eggs, not Dragon Age. I almost said or Dragon Age. We're sorry. We didn't come up with that first. <laughs> we're we were so playing sorry. Dragon Age. We were like, God damn. We were on a Dragon Age 2 and we were like, we should make a game like this. <laughs> Call it Dragon Age. Oh, we're sorry. No, Dragon. Sorry. Not Dragon Age. Not Dragon Aids. They didn't apologize for not creating Dragon Aids. They probably did create it. There's a conspiracy. <laughs> They're like, we're not apologizing for creating it. Government you're all thanking us that like there's AIDS. no more dragons. That's why there's no more dragons. Because yeah, of Dragon Aids. The government created Dragon Aids. Um, the Australian government. <laughs> and they're not apologizing for it. Dragon Eggs. Uh, apparently a seven-year-old girl wrote to the scientists asking them to make her a baby dragon for Christmas. Huh. So they issued a formal apology to You're, the public for what, not they even having attempt? done that yet. Did he even attempt it? Probably not. I mean, I was wondering if this was an apology for attempting it and failing. <laughs> we apologize for we actually can't succeeding. We do it. Now, how would that... That would be a pretty oh, interesting story. We apologize story. for succeeding. And yes. now, like, as, We're as all you're hearing fucked. That, as you're hearing that, there's two dragons just scorching like half of Europe. <laughs> um, it's adorable, though. We've uh, lost the Swiss, damn it. She writes to them, uh, addressing them as... Uh, Hello, lovely scientist. And uh, she says, I would like it if you could, but if you can't, that's fine. Baseless, educated heads. But I just think that's adorable. Like, can you please invent a dragon? I would like it if you could, but I mean, if you can't, it's cool. No biggie. No I mean, biggie. I appreciate, I appreciate the effort. And if you can't, don't worry. I'll grow up and I will do it. She also mentions that she would name the dragon Toothless if it was a girl. Or Stuart, if it were a boy. Stuart. Stuart the fucking dragon. And Toothless the Somebody dragon. get this bitch a dragon. No, because, you know, you obviously have not seen or read uh, Game of Thrones slash A Song of Ice and Fire. This is a bad idea. She will be the mother of dragons, and she will bring death and destruction to us all. All that oppose her will. On a completely unrelated note, whether or not she'll bring death and destruction to us all, I do apologize. I just called a seven-year-old girl a bitch. It was for comedic effect. Get this bitch. You just made somebody cry. <laughs> She's listening to the podcast. Okay, so we have 911 to call for emergencies, correct? Or the Ghostbusters or the Monster Squad. Right. But well, we're talking about for actual, for general, emergencies. actual general emergencies. We have 911. Yeah. England has 999. Yeah, we talked about yes, this. Yes, we have. There was a good response time to one call about somebody chopping somebody up with an axe in the middle of the street. And so the police I don't know if there is a good response quit. time to that. Well, I think a good response time would be what I'm saying before is, it happens. How can you predict that? Exactly. That's why there there is no good response time. The to well, that. the no well, offense. the police responded fairly quickly to when no, they got yeah, no the call. No offense to those those bobbies out there in England. I'm Oi, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. Do you really want to go after this axe bloke? I hear he's chopping people up. Do you really want to go after him? Like, this? <laughs> Maybe we should just get some crumpets and stay at home and watch the football game. <laughs> I know it's me job, but sometimes... <laughs> Do you really want to get chopped up with an axe? All, all I got is this stick. Sticks versus axes. I don't like those odds. It's like Cormac McCarthy always says. You pick your battles, eh? <laughs> Oi, come back. He's I do a great apologize bloke. again for my lack of a fucking English accent. Uh, no, but the police responded promptly, and they responded with guns. You know, and thank God they didn't go ablazing because this was just a film shoot for a zombie movie. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> Are you serious? I am serious. I don't know. The person rec- like that called it in, did they not see the other person with the giant camera like three feet to <laughs> the like, right? This other asshole's filming <laughs> just it. filming it. I don't, there is a snuff film taking I think place he's going to be streets. putting it on the YouTubes and the internets. I don't like any of this. I wish I died back in the 60s when I was 50 years old. Holy shit. Yeah, this is an old it's person. an old motherfucker. This is the oldest person alive, 114. They just called the cops on an axe murder. They're like, it's the most horrific thing I've ever seen. This is so much blood. That's ketchup, ma'am. <laughs> Could you imagine what's going through that person's mind? The person who They're thought witnessing this was legitimate. an axe murder? Oh, my God. Like, it's a scene from a zombie movie. Someone's probably getting fucked up. Right. So, yeah, like, the dude's probably taking the axe to the zombie. Oh, my God, and somebody's probably just, like... Everybody's covered in blood. <laughs> but thank God they didn't press like, charges. O underscore O. The, uh, the police actually ended up laughing about the situation. It was happy that it really wasn't an actual axe murderer. <laughs> as, as one would be. <laughs> yeah, and they actually sat and watched the completion of the scene. Um, I don't know if this was just, you know, four teenagers making their own little home film with a small... Budget cam recorder. It was definitely a low-budget film. Uh, after failing in their efforts to keep federal agents from enforcing local gun enforcement, Missouri lawmakers are planning to get other states in on their plan to purposefully break federal laws regarding gun control. Are they pro or anti? I'm, I'm assuming in Missouri they're pro-gun. Yes. Anti-gun control. Anti-gun control. And, yeah, so they're just trying to tell everybody in the state to illegally own handgun or Well, no, what they want to do is get other states in on this, too, so that multiple states can purposefully break federal law and institute their own contrary gun legislation and enforce that. And that if a bunch of states are teaming up and doing this all at once, then it'll be tougher for the federal government to make moves. Now, how is this not, like conspiracy to break law or something i don't know i'm not a lawyer treason like seriously (laughs) i think that's what you're looking for now look this isn't we're not debating the politics of gun control and everything like that's we'd be glad to sit here and talk about it it's an interesting topic but yeah we're just discussing whether or not it's right for these states to make a coup on a law that is already in place whether it is just or not. I don't understand. Like, at what point do you standing up and like proposing that everyone breaks the law? Are you breaking the law? Like, I know to some extent it's freedom of speech and everything, but this isn't just speech. This is intent. lawmakers intending to. Yeah, yeah, intent and they, uh, they want to make legislation. I see directly. what you're saying, but on the other hand, I feel like it's also a step towards taking a stand on uh, federal government. You know, being overbearing on all the states with. Yeah, but when you take a stand against something by purposefully breaking the law, you are breaking the law. Like you are, you are being an Eminem. Don't misread me, dude. Sometimes I'm totally into that. Sometimes I'm supportive of doing that, and sometimes I'm not. Only when it comes to guns. Regardless, (laughs) I know that with the law, there is no sometimes and sometimes. You you're either breaking the fucking law or you're not. Right, so everybody should be held accountable the same. Yeah, why are these politicians still having meetings and debating whether or not they're going to fucking get a bunch of states? I I think I know what you're saying right now, which is basically, let's put it into this perspective. 
you go into a store and you steal like a candy bar or something and you get caught for it and he tries, you know, he tries to press charge. He's like, nope, nope, it's cool. Everybody, I'm sure, getting other states involved, stealing is now legit as long as it's under $5. Well, <laughs> that's a little extreme, but you know, like, how about, uh, don't you know I always how about go extreme? We, we organize this podcast to encourage people to break the law. At some point, there would be some type of legal intervention that's like you cannot continue doing something that is just encouraging people to break the law. Like there are laws it's about that. Almost like there are ways. It around seems like it. I, I I do feel like in a way it's technically considered like criminal mischief. Maybe I mean like the anarchist cookbook exists because it's not actually advising anybody to break the law, regardless of whether or not that's why it exists. How things are done. How to yeah. How to make fucking explosives and shit. It's not telling you why, and that's legitimate information. But like. These lawmakers are legitimately saying, hey, guys, we intend to break the law. We intend to get a bunch of people in on this. I feel like they're doing this because they realize that uh, sit-ins and petitions and... Then do that. That stuff is That stuff working. is within a person's <laughs> rights, though. Right, but I see that it, everybody sees that it's not really working. So maybe they're just trying to up the ante a bit. I yeah, don't know. Totally. In, yeah, in the way, I mean, in the same way, I do see what you're saying because now they're just legitimately stating that they're breaking the law and trying to get other people to follow their suit. Yeah, that they are aware that they're breaking the law, that that is their it's, intent, it's different than and that they saying, would like other people to join them in this. Uh, God wants semi-automatics in every good American hardworking man's hands. And women. Women should be shooting too. Rooting tooting. It's kind of... Yeah, yeah, I was going for Yosemite Sam. Never, you know what? On second thought, never mind about the women thing. <laughs> I let my mouth get a little bit ahead of my mind. Are mark. you wrestle fracker, racker, sugar? Just the facts. Chess is a strategy board game for two players with 16 pieces divided into six different types of pieces, the object of which is to move and capture pieces, thus setting the opponent's king in a position where he cannot move without being captured, a condition known as checkmate. I guess that's the simplest way to put it. Checkmate. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't cover all bases in that little explanation there, but if you don't know how to play chess, that's your own deal to figure out. We're not here to teach you how to play the game, but, you know, I, I assume a lot of people that listen to us or are listening to this episode tend to at least have, you know, a some sort of enjoyment for the game. At least some familiarity. Or any kind of familiarity. And chess is cool. Chess is a fun game. I like it. I rarely have people to play with. Chess or its early predecessors, uh, the game's been being basically played since around the 6th century. A long fucking time. Long, long time. It did the original game, Chaturanga, which modern chess is based off of, uh, started in India, as I said, back in about the 6th century or so. And it spread like wildfire because the game got pretty popular. And as, you know, conquerors would go or people would travel to different lands, they would bring this new game with them. Chaturanga is really interesting. I remember being a child... When I first saw... I remember saw... being a child, too. <laughs> no shit. 
when I first saw an Indian chess set in like one of those catalogs with a lot of novelty items. Yeah, and my stuff grandparents like always had that, and it was fun to look through them. Uh, the novelty items, I never really saw like worldly things. They're mostly just like uh, you know knickknacks and. Well, I saw a chess set that was supposed to be an Indian chess set, and there was a little blurb describing the product, mentioning how this game... See, one interesting thing about chess is that a lot of these like chess-like games and chess predecessors developed in different areas of the world. Right. Sometimes even around the same time. Yeah, where we got chess from in Western Europe, the you know the modern game of chess, it had already gone through so many different nations. It uh, went, you know, from, I think it was India to Persia to Africa to, to a different part of Africa to well, Eastern Europe and then to Russia and then, you know. If I remember correctly, there were nations that developed a game like this independently of influence of each other, too, as well. I don't buy it. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> Well, either way, that was the idea that this blurb for the product had planted in my mind. And I'm looking at the chess set and I see like an elephant piece on there and I'm fascinated. And I'm like, this sounds so you like fucking cool. Right? Just the idea of there being like an elephant piece. And I'm like, oh, because it's an Indian set. And like, I don't know. Uh, it's cool, though. The king is called the Raja, of course. Uh, the Mantri, which means the minister or counselor. Moves one space diagonally in any direction. Uh, the Ratha, which means the chariot, replaces the Rook. And then the Gaja, or elephant, is a pretty nifty piece. It can So move. you're saying instead of a queen, there's a counselor, like an advisor, as this the second piece? Well, it only moves one space diagonally in any direction. Movement's a little different. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like a restricted bishop. And then the elephant moves two squares in any diagonal direction or vertical or horizontal, jumping over the first square or one step in any direction. So like a pawn does now. Well, no, it, it can either move one space or it or... can move two spaces, in which case it jumps over the first space. So it doesn't matter oh, okay. if there's a piece there. And then the ashva or horse Moves the same as a knight. Uh, the parati, or soldier, replaces the pawn. And there's also a four-player version of this game called Chataraji. And in Chataraji, the elephant actually moves like a rook. And a boat takes the place of the elephant's moves. So instead of the elephant, there's a boat. I'm on a boat. Yeah, I'm on a boat. Would you play on a bigger board than I take it? If there's four people playing at the same, same time? Same size board, but you each have left... Less pieces? Yes. You're welcome. I, I see you're having trouble getting that P5. word to, <laughs> together. It's it's interesting the way it's set up. I mean, I hate to use this as an example, but kind of imagine a swastika. Why? <laughs> it's just a thing. There's no connotation yeah, to I mean, it at all. Like, but uh, like, if you imagine like, a, okay, imagine a chessboard and you put down a swastika overlaying it. Wherever okay. it runs parallel with the border, like that's where the player sets their pieces. So it's kind of like you're setting your pieces up on half of the side of the board that you're oh, sitting okay. at. So it's separated. And then into like... the person to your left is too. So you're each separated by, yeah, so much space. So basically it's set up into like each each player puts their stuff on an eighth of the board. Because you have your eight pieces on in this little corner. And then yeah. there's a free corner next to you. Yep. And then the next little corner is the next player. And then the free corner. Yeah. And so on. So this Chaturanga, as I had said earlier, it started to spread to different 
parts of the world, whether by conquest or just travel. And it seems that every time the name of the game was changed, it, they seem to just follow the check or checkmate uh, word and basically name the game after that. Like when it came to Greece, it was called, oh, wow, I'm actually going to attempt to na- say the new names of the games in all the different countries. You don't have to. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> Zetrakion. When it hit Italy, it was called Skachi, Skak, Skakchi. Skakchi, Skakchi, Skakchi. Here it goes down <laughs> in my belly. <laughs> uh, in France, they called it Echix. Germany, Skak, Zaki in Poland, Saz in Latvia, Skak in, Dan- in Danish. <laughs> okay. In Denmark, Jok in Norway. Skak in Sweden, Saki in Finland, as you know, I moved all across the way. It's just the, the names of these are basically the same thing. It's just, you know, their language saying the same word, basically. Czech. They and call the game you know Czech. where that comes from? From calling Czech on the opposing player. Yeah, I was just wondering if, where yeah. the terminology comes from. I mean. To have them in Czech, they can't move. I don't know. They're like, we, we got you in our crosshairs. Fair enough. For the king, I would guess. Your Do you move. understand the timer, Craig? Uh, I just to get games going so people don't sit there and think for 45 minutes over one move. Well, yeah, a lot of people misunderstand it that like you've got a time limit for each move. Yeah. That's not what it is. No. No. You don't say. No. Explain, it, sir. Explain yourself. What it is is you set a time limit for the game. So let's say the time limit we set is a half hour. Okay. That means each of us will have 15 minutes on our clock. When it's my turn, my timer's going. When my turn's done, I hit it. And then his timer starts. starts. And then you go. If you run out of time before I do, I win. Oh, cool. So it basically still is to keep people from taking 45 minutes to do a turn. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. But it doesn't doesn't, uh, just – you can't just – it's not just a draw. It's you can actually win from the other person timing out. Yeah. The, The times are separate. Yep. Uh, that's interesting to me. Now, when we play chess, are you going to have one of these so-called timers? Oh, no. I, I don't, don't play with a timer. I don't roll that way. I don't do that either. Nathan, there's two different things you can do in the game that I had no idea you could do. And the first one would be castling. You didn't know about I castling? I was never taught about castling. Like up until researching this up episode? Up until researching this. No I had way. no clue. I, didn't, I don't play chess often. And, of course, all the chess players are going to be like, <laughs> fucking noob. But seriously, I had no idea that you could exchange the king with a rook. It's, well, it's not like ex- – it's kind of like if neither of them has moved. Right. It has to be – What do you move all the these, There's a certain amount of conditions that need apply in order to castle. You move the rook, what, three spaces or something? And then you move the king to the other side of the rook. And there must be no other pieces blocking them. Yeah. So it's a move that is done probably halfway through the game kind of maybe. It's it's, it's not relatively that early often evoked, but I just never knew this this rule existed. I have never played that way, so I found I found it extremely fascinating. And who knows? An other move is the promotion or under promotion of pawns. Uh, it's another thing I didn't know you could do. Really? Yes. Yeah. Mostly you get pawns the get rank in, in the games I play. Pawns usually get taken out before they reach the other side. Now a little terminology. In chess, a rank is like a row. So, like, the row 
that you have your king, queen, knights, bishops, and rooks on is your first rank. Your second rank has all your pawns. All the pawns. And your eighth rank is where your opponent's kings, king, queen, yep. etc. are. A file is a column. Is the column. So like where you set your rook all the way down to where your opponent sets his rook is one file. Right. It's just to get that terminology out of the way so no one's so when you When you hear something like knight to bishops three or some shit like that, that's the movement that's made. You're moving it to a specific spot. That's the bishop's file. Yeah. And three spots from the bishop. Usually, though, you'd use the letters because there's two bishop files for each side. Okay. Well, it's the same file. As in, still. like... There's say, two bishop files okay, so, on the Yeah, because the files would be like C and F or some shit like that. Yeah. I got you. But, you know, I'm, I'm more thinking like chess movies where they probably didn't get it perfectly right. Oh, just thinking about Well, no, that. people ah. still do refer to them as like bishop files and shit. But, I mean, let's say we're, we're doing a game in the right. mail it back and be... forth. You're probably going to say the letter because then I'm going to be like, which bishop file? If your knight can reach both of them by... I don't okay. know. Is that possible? I don't know. Frankly, I would. I don't call out my moves. I just move them, and you see where I went. You know. Yeah. Like as, again, I'm not. I'm not entering no chess division tournament, world tournament. Now, as when promoting happens, your pawn reaches the eight, and you can choose to switch it out with a bishop, a knight, a rook, or a queen. Generally, you choose a queen. choose a queen, which would be promotion. Under promotion would mean any of the other pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand why anybody would switch it to, say, a knight. Strategy. Some sort of weird For the most strategy. part, you're going to pick a queen, but you and know how games work. Yeah, because yeah, the queen can do anything. Except for what a knight can do. Except for what a knight could do. Yes. So it could do what a bishop and a rook could do. Yeah. <laughs> a queen Fair that can enough. do what a knight can do would be an Amazon, but we'll talk about that a little later. So with you saying strategy, that's another thing. I have never really uh, put a lot of strategy into my game, which is probably why I suck at chess. <laughs> but at the same time, like I said, I rarely have somebody to play with. So I don't, you know, you to get good strategies for the games, that's something you have to like live and breathe and understand chess. I'm Along all right. with usually mathematics. I can only predict so many turns in advance. Right. Like the really good guys, they already know like 20 moves in advance. And me, I'm like, uh, maybe like, you know, four, maybe five, yeah. maybe, maybe. Well, that's not that bad then. You're not, you're not horrible then. If you're at least able to like think a few moves in advance and base your moves on that, then you're on the right track. Yeah. But I, if I'm not the best, I'm the worst at anything. So the pawn, I don't know if you knew this, Craig, but I find this really cool. In medieval chess, each pawn had its own designated occupation. Like... Farmer, shoe shiner, shit cleaner. Uh, totally. Um, from left to right, they are number one, the gambler, which generally represents so Kenny Rogers, like a low life. Yeah, Kenny Rogers. <laughs> Kenny Rogers is the first pawn. <laughs> number two, the city guard or policeman who's positioned in front of the knight because knights would train city guards in real life. So Sipowitz. Who? Detective Sipowitz from NYPD Blue. Oh, okay. I've never in my life watched NYPD Blue. My dad used to love NYPD Blue, so growing up, I would always see it and be like, that guy looks like such a creep. <laughs> okay. So Dennis I guess, Franz, I think, is the actor's sure, name. Sure, Kenny Rogers, Detective Sipowitz. Number three would be the innkeeper in front of the bishop, of course. So, Drake. 
The rapper? Yeah. I don't follow. You, you know, he was like running the Duck and Drake motel that Guy <laughs> Fox went to. Duck and Drake, yeah, from Guy Fox's life or Guy Fox's episode. Yeah, so Drake was running that hotel. He's this pawn. I love that Drake is a pawn. Started on the bottom and still there. Whatever. <laughs> he didn't start at the bottom either. Still a liar nope, because he nope. started from the second fucking rank. Listen, Fuck listen. Another one of it. his songs is titled I Don't Need No New Friends because apparently, you know, all the people, he only hangs out with his old friends, which is a lie too. So more lies, <laughs> yeah, Drake. All these, all these people he's doing songs with, he, he knew them since Degrassi. <laughs> he knew some since before Degrassi. Are you kidding me? Him and Nicki Minaj played in the – played in the sandbox together didn't you know that she's canadian too apparently uh number four was the merchant who was in front of the king so apu nahasa mapima pedalon thank you i was so i'm so glad if anyone fucking can do it if anyone can just rattle up whose last name off the top of their head it's fucking craig yes there we go nahasa mapima pedalon yes did i really nail it nahasa you nailed it nahasa mapima pedalon word apu nahasa you I lost was about it, to man. Say I was never gonna f- <laughs> Apu Nahasama Pima Pedalon. Is the next pawn, yes. Apu Nahasama Pima Who needs Pima a Pedalon. quickie mart? Apu. And then in front of the queen, on the fifth file, the doctor. Dr. Phil. <laughs> Otherwise he's, known as the fool. He's not a real doctor. <laughs> Otherwise known as the fool, yes. We could have went Dr. House, Dr. Cox. No, we went Dr. <laughs> fucking Phil. Phil. Okay, so we want this to be a cool character then. No, Dr. Phil, you spoke Dr. it. Phil. Dude, this, was, is, this is back in the Middle decided. Ages. Once you say it, it's, it's in stone. That's what they write in. Or quill and parchment. I don't know. And then on the sixth file... In front of the other bishop is the clerk. So Randall Graves. Of fucking course. Absolutely. right. Number seven, the blacksmith, who's in front of the other knight because blacksmiths care for horses. They make their shoes and oh, that makes often sense. would feed them and take care of them. So this, this blacksmith would be Gendry the blacksmith. Who the fuck is that? Game of Thrones. He was the bastards of uh, King Robert. He, who, he was an apprentice blacksmith. Eddie, okay, moving on. Game of Thrones nerds will get it. They'll, they'll be like, yes, fuck yeah. And number eight, the farmer who's in front of a castle, which they usually worked for. Herschel Green from The Walking Dead. From The Walking Dead. Okay, we're so, so only yeah, and in this that's case, not too on the nose. I don't mind if you mean Herschel from the comic or the TV show. He was Herschel's actually pretty cool in the TV show. One of the best characters in the TV show. So we got, who were the pawns? Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. There was Detective. Sipowitz. Sipowitz. Drake. Apu Nahasama Pima Petalon. Dr. Phil. Uh, then we had Randall Graves. and who The guy from Game of Thrones. Gendry the Blacksmith. And Herschel Green. And Herschel Green. So next time you're playing chess, just keep that in mind. Think that those are the characters you're playing. You'll have a infinitely better time. You'll you'll be laughing on the inside and on the out, and your opponent's gonna be like, "What? What's he laughing?" And, and you're gonna get in his head. Yeah, you're gonna totally throw nerve. him off. He's he's thinking that you're like winning 15 moves from now, and in reality, you're just like <laughs> a mad man. Randall's talking to a poo right now. The bishop is actually still known in some countries as an elephant, and in other countries is known as the archer. 
the archer, eh? That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And the queen was originally known as the vizier. Or the consultant. No. Yeah? <laughs> no, that... Oh, that's what a vizier was, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how, as the game has changed and progressed and grown through the years, the pieces have changed, basically. Like, the elephant is now the rook. Yeah. Correct? No. And the bishop is now... Or the bishop used to be, what, the... I mean, they've they've changed. Yeah, they've changed. The elephant wasn't exactly a rook. Right, the game itself, the moves have changed. But do you think that when it came to America, they could have changed it yet again and kind of given it more of a American government type <laughs> field general? Like instead of like instead of the king, you got the president. Okay. The queen is the first lady. Okay. The bishop would be say the secretary of defense. So no religious role? No, this is the U.S. government. Fuck religion. Hey, I guess that's fair. Um, this is all strictly battle. Okay. You don't have, we don't have the Catholic priests you know, on the board. There's no spouting religious views. This is straight. This is America. I okay. have confused a lot of people so with the- that last sentiment because half the people will be going, yeah, that's right, and half the people will be going, fuck you. But- so the bishop is the secretary of defense, not yep. the knight? No, the knight would be... The knight would be like the Marines, the Special Forces. So it would be the Marine, probably? Yes. Because you got to give it a singular A name. singular one, the Marine. Okay. Okay, and uh, the Rook would be a tank. Of course. Of course. And then the pawns, the infantry. The pawns, right? yep, just the privates, whatever, the ground infantry, because they're the faceless ones. There you go. When it, don't, I mean, is it, did, am I so have, far-fetched, or you have do you think that's something? You have two defense, then. Right. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh. What's funny is that's actually how uh, George W. Bush's first meeting went. Right. I'm going to have this guy's secretary (laughs) of defense. This guy's secretary of defense. And then we'll start playing This guy's my second secretary of defense. Sir, that doesn't even add up. So do you think my theory holds a little water? Like, they could have changed it when they brought it over? Almost or anybody, basically, like... Well, I'm I'm glad they didn't. It's classic. It is what it is. But well, it could have happened. Go ahead and release a set like that. Sure. If they if you can release Star Wars Monopoly, I can do this to chess. What's interesting, there are actually a lot of chess pieces that have been used throughout the years. Have you ever heard of the term fairy chess pieces? That is so Eminem of you. <laughs> fairy pieces are basically chess pieces that aren't used in conventional games. But they're sometimes used in variants or like chess problems. I thought it was like a specific line of different, maybe woodland fairy folk. No, no, no. No. But like, do you you know what a chess problem is? Like, it's almost like a little puzzle. Like you'll see it in a puzzle book or something. Right. How do you overcome this? Yeah, it'd be like a diagram, like checkmate black in five turns or something. Yeah. And basically you have to figure out how to avoid it or do whatever the problem is asking you to do. Yeah, so often they use fairy pieces. In Find those a solution, too. damn it. Fairy pieces generally fall into one or more of four categories. Leapers. Lepers, you mean. Leapers. Lepers, you mean. No, not lepers. Leapers. Okay, semantics, sure. It's not a piece that falls apart. <laughs> uh, riders, hoppers, and locusts. Before you had said locusts, it sounds like you're just naming a bunch of different types of drugs. 
<laughs> I got some leapers. I got some riders. Hoppers. I got hoppers. And locusts. I'll pass on locusts, man. <laughs> Everything else sounds super chill. <laughs> uh, leapers are like knights. You know, other pieces don't block their move. They leap over them to the space where they're moving to. Right. Or at least leap at some point within their moving. Riders are like rooks or knights. They move in a straight line unimpeded. Diagonal, horizontal, vertical. They they can move diagonally? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just riders are pieces that move in a straight line. Like this isn't a specific piece. These are categories of pieces. Okay. So leapers are pieces that move similar to knights. Riders are pieces that move Move similar similar to to bishops or rooks. Bishops or rooks. Hoppers can only move by jumping over other pieces. And this isn't That's why they hop. Yeah. They don't hopping doesn't generally capture. Okay. Hopping over a piece. Now what piece on the normal chessboard hops like that? Nothing other than the knight. But that isn't necessarily hopping. It's just it's a leaping it's leaping. Right, because you can leap further than you can hop. Yeah. Leaping means the other pieces aren't in your way. Hopping means you actually have to hop over a piece to move. Uh, locusts are pieces that capture by hopping. Okay. A marine piece <laughs> is actually a combination between a rider and a locust. Something that moves in a straight line and hops to capture. Other concepts common to fairy pieces are royal pieces. Any piece who is like a king in the sense that it cannot be captured and a scenario where capture is unavoidable ends the game. Um, a crowned piece is a piece which, in addition to its own attributes, can move like a king. And okay. a knighted piece, likewise, but for knights. Right, because knights can be royalty. No, I'm saying... A, no, no. <laughs> a royal piece is a piece that cannot be captured, like the king. Oh, so royal pieces can't be captured. That's what a royal piece is. That, like, if capture is unavoidable, that's checkmate. Right. A crowned piece is a piece that is allowed to move like a king. That has nothing to do with checkmate. Fair enough. And a knighted piece is a piece that's allowed to move like a knight. In addition to whatever... To the other pieces. In addition to whatever abilities it had before it was crowned or knighted. Okay. Like, that might be present in a chess variant. A lot of fairy pieces are reused popularly. Sometimes people make them up for their own particular variant of chess, but very commonly there are certain pieces that we see used a lot that may have even been used at certain points throughout history in the development of the game. Throughout the span of time. I'm sorry, I had to get that out of my system. No, just human history. And only, you know, the last like six, seven hundred years. Right? That sounds about right, right? I'm not redoing it. No, it's more like 1,200 years, huh? It's been around for Yeah, since the the 6th century, a little bit more. More like 1,500 Less than 2,000. Yeah, less than 2,000, but more than 1,500. Fair enough. So I thought it'd be cool to look at some of these fairy pieces. They're... Check out what they do and how they move. There's some pretty cool shit here. So do you own some? Can I see it? No. Oh, that's not what you were talking about. You're talking about Google imaging. No. No. I'm just talking... A lot of these pieces, too, like, people would just use the regular chess pieces for. Oh, okay. I would love to buy some. I'm sure there are manufacturers of them. But well, a lot of times... Let's manufacture our own Fairpoint chessboard with our pawns. There you go. 
Boom. But a lot of times, too, they're used in chess problems. So they're just symbols on a paper. Fair so, enough. <clears throat> but generally speaking, they replace pieces. So you would just use the piece they're replacing as that piece. First of all, there's the Amazon, which we mentioned earlier, that combines the moves of a queen Wonder Woman. and a knight. It's a queen that's trained as a knight. I'm sorry, that's Amazonian. It's a queen that can Not move Amazon. like a knight. The archbishop can move like a bishop and a knight. The Berlin pawn, this one's interesting. The Berlin pawn is the inverse of a normal pawn. Whereas a normal pawn moves forward and captures diagonally, okay. a Berlin pawn moves diagonally and captures, and captures forward. forward. Hmm. The furs moves like a bishop, but can only go one space. And uh. that's a very popular piece, So it's like piece, a checker actually. piece. Yeah, except no jumping. The camel is pretty cool. The camel is like a knight with more range. It moves three squares vertically, then one square horizontally, or vice versa. So it basically moves one extra square. Yes. And then the zebra... Which makes sense, because, you know, the camels can make the extra trek for having the humps to store more water. There you go. Boom. And a zebra, which I guess is faster... Moves three squares vertically, then two horizontally, or vice versa. Just picture a zebra sprinting and then just making a pivot turn and sprinting a little bit more. <laughs> There's also the wizard, which moves like a combination of a furs and a camel. So it can move one space diagonally, or it can move three in one. Okay. And so it has the option of moving like, like one of the furs or like one of the camels. Yes. The and Chancellor moves like a rook and a knight. I like how some of these pieces move like two different pieces do. Yeah. That's interesting. It gives a little more variation to the game. Probably makes your strategy a lot harder to figure out in 15 moves, huh? Here's one I really like, the Grasshopper. The Grasshopper moves like a queen, but it cannot move if it does not jump a piece. So by jumping a piece, meaning not capturing, but just Just moving past it. it. Yes. So it can only go through a piece. See, what it does is it moves any amount of spaces up, down, left, right, or diagonal. But it has to have jumped something. No, no, no. And then when it meets something, it jumps it. Now, if there's nothing to jump, it can't move. It has to jump. Now, let me... Oh, so it has to jump. I was just about to say, so could it be in a position where it could jump something but not jump it and move? It it can't move without jumping. It basically moves in any direction until it finds the hurdle and then jumps it and lands on the space behind it. But it doesn't capture. No. The way it would capture would be if there was a piece on the space behind it of the opposite color. So add the jump and capture. Yeah. It can jump pieces of either color. But obviously, if there's a piece of your color on the other side, you can't you land can't there. Jump two space, two pieces. Yeah. But if there's a piece, if there's two black pawns in a row and you're playing white, you jump the first one, capture the second one. The cannon moves vertical or horizontal any amount of spaces, but must jump one piece at some point in the path. It doesn't have to stop after it jumps. Okay. It just can't move without jumping at least one spot. I could always I always pictured the cannon not moving at all, but like moving and then hitting something and then going back to its original spot. <laughs> <laughs> like cause that's the cannonball going out and knocking down whatever's in its path. Hey, that's fair. That's that that would be a move. The Knight Rider 
Also known sometimes as, as the Kit. Nightmare or the Unicorn. Sure, sure, that too. Uh, he moves like a knight. Mr. Feeney. <laughs> he moves like a knight, but can move any amount of spaces vertically and then horizontally, or vice versa, so okay. long as all the spaces it passes are vacant. I.e., it doesn't hop pieces like a knight does. It doesn't hop. No. You go vertically, then horizontally. Or you go horizontally, then vertically. And that's your move. And you can go any Seems amount of like spaces either of those. like two moves to me. It's one move. You go boop, boop. No, I know, but if it was that a rookie, was two if moves. it was a rook, it would be two moves. Like, you got to wait your next turn to make that second move, But boy. it's not a rook. Right. It's like a knight. Oh, okay. A knight goes three spaces forward and then one space Up. sideways or whatever. Three or, vertical, yeah, three. one horizontal, or vice versa. Right. This one goes any vertical, any horizontal, any amount, but it can't hop. So the, the spaces it travels have to be vacant. Okay. An arrow pawn I really like. They move like regular pawns, but they capture differently. Forward? No, yeah. no, no. They still capture diagonal. Diagonal? But they can move any amount of spaces to make their capture. Because they got really? a bow and arrow. So, so long as they I can't, see. again, they can't hop spaces and shit. But so long as it's, the path is blank, they can move like four spaces to take a piece. Interesting. Makes the game harder. More challenging, I think. The basilisk moves like a queen, but it doesn't take pieces. Instead, that's it- a lie. Every basilisk I've ever known has taken as many shit as it wanted. <laughs> How many basilisks have you known? Well, there was the one from Harry Potter, and then there was that other one from that video game. So they were all fictional. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you ever seen a basilisk? Well, there is a real lizard called a basilisk. Yeah, I'm, I don't deal with uh, exotic animals. Really. It's also known as the Jesus lizard. That's a that's a lie, and you know no, it. No, that's totally true, because it walks on water. I'm dead ass serious. It's, it's you funny. think I'm joking, I, but I I'm dead ass no, serious. I, am, I have I, I have conceded into knowing you're not you're being serious, Dude, and I agree. I will believe what you look it up on me. YouTube. It's really I just dope. find that funny. It runs across water so fast and so lightly that it can run then across the surface of water. I have seen that lizard too because I've seen that YouTube video. A lizard running on water. I've seen it. It must have been a basilisk. <laughs> it was. Yeah, and all those funny... But the chess piece moves like a queen, doesn't capture, immobilizes any piece within a knight's move of itself. So those pieces cannot be moved while they're in the proximity of the basilisk until the ah, basilisk moves stone. or is captured. That's what the basilisk yep. does. So if I move my basilisk... Or run on water, Whatever. So if I move my basilisk somewhere and then you move yours within a knight's move of it, both our basilisks now are locked until one of them is captured. <laughs> you haven't seen a stare off like that since the boys back in 68. So the boy scout is weird. The boy scout moves like a bishop, but every step it takes must be followed by a 90 degree turn. And it only moves outward. Moving outward means... In the course of one move, you can't turn around and come back the way you came. Right. Okay. So, so it's almost like it's moving like a zigzag, like a staircase. I gotcha. So it can't just hit the spot and then see a nasty... What? 
so it can't just hit the spot and then see a nasty. I'm really interested to hear how the sentence ends and makes it make sense with chess to me. It's not going to make sense with chess. No, take it outside of the chess world. So it makes it... (laughs) To get outside of the chess world for a moment. So it makes its move, and then it can't just turn tail and say, run away, run away. Can't go back once in the same move. Which is pretty much any chess piece. Right. I haven't really seen many chess pieces that can turn around I, and I go feel backwards. That, I find it move. interesting that that was actually had to be stated. You know, you can't just turn tail and run away. <laughs> I'm sure there's some situation where it does make a difference. You know, The griffin moves one space diagonally. And then any amount of space is horizontal or vertical. And again, it only moves outward. Griffins can fly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Craig, for that valuable input. That much is true. This much is true. Here's an interesting one that I don't entirely get. I feel like they're missing a rule on it. The Kraken can leap to any square on the board, even the square that it's already on, which means... It doesn't move. Yeah, which means you're basically passing a move. Okay, so anytime you say pass turn, you're basically moving the Kraken zero spaces. We'd be like, I move my Kraken right to the same space. Your turn. Now, here's what I don't get. I don't understand how that doesn't place the opponent's king in constant checkmate. Right, because it well, can it pass through things underneath it? Or it doesn't, it? you just move it to any space on the board. Right. That's why I feel like they're missing a rule that the Kraken can't capture the king. Because otherwise, the game doesn't work. Can you just imagine that? Like, there's a flaw in this game plan. Yeah, wouldn't you guys just Can the Kraken capture, though? So wouldn't it be like first player, Kraken to Queen? Or rather, Kraken to Kraken. Take their Kraken. Second player, whatever. You have to earn the Kraken. Not everyone just gets a Kraken. You know why you probably don't do that? Because the Kraken probably starts off next to a Rook or something. So then if you just go Kraken to Kraken, you lose your Kraken, too. Then you're really getting it cracking. Crackalacking. Backpacking. The horse moves like a knight but doesn't hop or rather leap. So it just it can only move unimpeded. Empty right. vacant spaces. The spy always moves two spaces. It either moves straight two spaces or moves one space forward and then one space left or right, which would be akin to one space diagonally. Right. And it can leap pieces when it's doing this. The dummy is a piece that does absolutely nothing. You can't move it at all? No moves. Just there? Can't capture a, that, nothing. It can that be dummy captured. hasn't moved any, anywhere. Nope, just sits life. there. Now, the rose is really tricky. The rose moves in a circle. It's kind of huh. like, imagine it's... There's a lot of different pieces on this fairy board. Well, it's, you don't just... No, these are... These are different pieces. You don't just play one game with all these pieces. Okay, these pieces can be any type of a certain... You would play a variant that incorporates one or two of the pieces into its That's That's game. good to hear. I'm glad you have now <laughs> this established this This would be the most this confusing fact. game of chess ever. <laughs> Kraken. You move one Kraken piece, you're like, rose. checkmate. <laughs> okay, so the rose. How does the rose move? It, it, it's hard to describe without a diagram. Basically, it walks along a circle. The starting point... Yeah, you're right, because on a squared board with different squares, it's hard to picture a circle. Yeah, I mean, 
if you take the starting point and you trace a circle going upwards so that the starting point's at the bottommost part of the diameter of the circle, any there's like six squares within there that directly center on the diameter of a circle and form okay. like a circular pattern. Would you a, say it'd be more like a hexagon? It can move type. to any of those spaces. Sure. And uh yeah, that piece really hard to keep up with, I'd imagine. Now here's my favorite fairy piece of all. Oh, I'm excited for this one. Fucking Odysseus. Really? Yeah. The hero of the Odyssey. Really? Now check this shit, son. What can he, he can do? Prepare yourself for this. Lots of things, this. I hope. How Odysseus moves is determined by what file he is on. If he's on a rook file, when you go to move him, he moves like a rook. If he's on a bishop file, moves like a bishop. If he's, he's on, on a, a knight, knight file, file, does he move like a knight? Moves like a knight. He he's is on a king a... file, moves like a king. Queen file, moves like a queen. So basically, you can consider him a shapeshifter in the game. Yeah. And then That's wherever awesome. you move him to, say you're checking somebody with him. If you're moving him from a bishop file to, to a, queen a rook file. file, queen file, sure. And you have, would have to move him like a bishop to get to the queen file. But then you would have to hold him in check as a queen. A queen. Exactly. I love it. I fucking love it. I assume that that fairy piece was made in Greece. I don't know. Probably not. Oh, man. Maybe. I really hope it did. Who knows? It's possible. So I have my own variant version of chess that I used to play with one of my friends. A few of my friends, but mainly one. I recall you telling me about this but i do not recall this at all it's called cheshire chess for lack of a better term see you even told me about it before the episode and i've already forgotten i'm sorry does this have some anything to do with uh Alice well, in Wonderland? it's been a few years no it doesn't ah but it is so interesting close. to note something we didn't talk about that we might go into more detail in on an alice in wonderland episode the second Alice in Wonderland book, Alice's Adventures Through the Looking Glass, right. is totally based around a chess game. It happens on a chessboard, and people have actually plotted out the movements of this chess game really, based upon the events in the story. It's pretty cool. That, is, that sounds pretty cool. So Cheshire Chess, what makes this different? Basically, this is how you play. It's still played like a normal game of chess with a few differences. First difference, when you set the board up, you put a divider between the two sides, and you each set up on your first two ranks however you want. Okay. Mix and match all your pieces. Now, is the di- divider down the middle? Yes. Okay. So you can't see each other's setup. If you want, you can just set it up as normal. You cannot castle or do en passant unless you set okay. up as normal. Though, okay, so that's the only way you can... Yeah. Achieve doing that. Yeah, we won't let you castle if you don't set up normal. But basically, you could set up the board any way you want to. Yep, on those first two ranks. Now, is this to? It kind of makes it like a puzzle, a more of a more puzzling, more challenging. Yeah, you don't if you know will. what your opponent's gonna set up. Because yeah, because you could have your setup something crazy. They, you don't know what their setup is, and you could end up screwing yourself or putting yourself in have you know in easy position yeah and i don't purport that my game is better than regular chess regular chess is better it's more balanced my game's just fun to have this unpredictable edge to it and more experimentation whatever it's a variant yeah 
Now, the other main difference after you take away that divider and you start playing, the rook, the bishop, and the knight each have special moves. So they have the like normal Hadouken. moves. Yes. Okay. Exactly, though. Seriously. Oh, awesome. I was joking, and I, I nailed it. Like, they have their normal moves, but they also know a special move, too, that you can use. So the bishop can capture without moving. Basically, what you said about the cannon earlier. Ah. You don't move the bishop, but if there is a clear path between it and the piece it wants to capture on a diagonal path, you can be like, I'm going to capture that piece without moving. Interesting. And or or you could move and capture it. It's up to you. Your choice. You can move and move to the spot that you captured at or just basically capture the piece and have your piece back at your starting yeah, spot. Yeah, but you can't like move halfway there and then capture it without moving the rest of the way. It's all the way or not right. at all. Right. You can't go two spaces capture. Unless without, it's without two moving. spaces away. Without moving. Yeah, right. Sure. The knight can evade capture only under certain conditions. Say you have a knight on the board and I come to take it with my rook. If your knight has within its available move set a blank spot of your color, you're playing white, there's a blank white space that your knight could feasibly move to, you can take your next turn going, uh-uh-uh, you don't take my knight, I use this turn to evade capture to that blank white spot. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying there. And then you do that, turn goes right back to the person that just tried to capture you. Right, it's as if you just moved your turn to evade. Exactly. The rook, it's almost like a a variant on castling. I like this. The rook can be sacrificed to pull your king out of checkmate or check. Basically, at any point in the game, your king doesn't even have to be in check or checkmate. You can just do it just for the hell of it. But you'd be sacrificing the rook. Exactly. Say your king's in check, you don't have anywhere to move, but you still have a rook on the board, and the rook isn't in check, if you will. Sacrifice the rook, move the king there. Obviously, it would be an illegal move if the rook is right next to a rook of the opposite color, because then you're moving your king in check. check. You you basically swap the king and the rook, but you lose the rook. Exactly. Gotcha. And I kind of like these rules. They, They make it a lot harder to keep up. A lot harder to predict because there's so many variables of I'll what can be done. Tell you what, I would definitely play this variant with you at any time. It's very fun. I think I would just be like playing vanilla and set my my table up normal. That's a viable strategy. I do that. That is my prerogative. Maybe damn about it. half the time. That is my prerogative. But the first time, who knows? I might go ballsy and like put put the king on the front line. And uh, surround it with pawns. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. That's a rule. I'm sorry. King and the queen have to be in the right spot. Not the queen, but the king has to be on the back line because otherwise you might place him in check. And if the game starts with your king in check. You fucking suck. Stop playing chess. Well, you, that that's a no game. The game can't proceed. Right. So thank you for reminding me I didn't bring that rule up. But yeah, you can't put your king on the front line. We originally you could until we ran into that scenario, and I was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> we can't play this you're game." You're spending so every single move is you getting out of check, <laughs> right? And moving into check again. But then if <laughs> if I'm not the person who's moving first, the game can't be played. Uh, if you would like to talk about Nathan's 
variant of Cheshire Chess, head on over to the Facebook page, Fairpoint Podcast, on Facebook. Like us. Or Fairpoint Podcast on YouTube. Like that. Subscribe to us. Subscribe, like it, whatever. Or send us an old-fashioned email on your variant of chess that you've created yourself at fairpointpodcast at yahoo.com. Or fairpointpod, that's it, (laughs) at Twitter. At Twitter. Tweet us about your chess experiences. (laughs) No, don't. That'd be super boring. That'd be really boring. Basically, in a nutshell, what I'm saying is like us on Fairpoint. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Fairpoint. (laughs) Basically, what I'm saying is like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Send us an email. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And on iTunes. And on iTunes. Fucking five-star ratings. That's all I'm asking for. Is that too much? Yeah, rate us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Whatever you can do, we will stay true. Just me and you. And all of our fans. And all of them. And Bosnia and John Travolta. What? Am I like a chop livers? Don't forget to check in next week for our Super Bowl spectacular. And keep listening if you'd like to hear a preview of Sylf Radio. From www.secretromultimedia.com. Oh my God, is that some kind of code you've just... What? I'm Nathan Kapiser. And I'm Craig the Chess Master Lewis. But I'm not really a chess master. Check and mate. Oh, hey, what what are you still doing here? What what do you mean what are they still doing here, Craig? They're, they're, they're still I thought this was over. We're this is done, right? No. As promised, we have a sneak preview of the new Secret Room Multimedia podcast. Nathan, you're Silf too fucking Radio, generous. A Pokemon podcast. You are too fucking generous, Nathan. I am. I'm too generous for my own good. Why I'm I'm giving it out for free. That means they're not gonna go download it for free. Well, whatever. I don't care. You you finish this up. I'm you know what? I'm, it's all I'm getting free, out of no here. What? I'm getting out of here. Hey, you, you you take care of this. But you're my ride home. Well, hey guys, I gotta get out of here. Check it out, Sylph Radio episode one. This is just a short clip of what you've got in store. Uh, it features myself and my guest host for that episode, Mr. Phil Cobb. Uh, the episode focuses around Bulbasaur, but as you'll be able to see, we talk about a lot of stuff in that episode. So, give it a listen and. We'll see you guys next week back on Fairpoint. Apparently, now this is something that's really interesting to me that I don't think a lot of people think about. The seed um, that forms the bulb is planted in Bulbasaur's back at birth, presumably by one of its parents, I assume. This has never been made clear. Or because the seed is a parasitic life form. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, if you if you got a baby and it's born and then you try to put like a, I don't know, what is going to be foreign to it into its body, its body should reject it. So I think it's, it's 
I don't know if it's so much planted there as it was just there and it grows to become a bulb. I don't know if it was always well, No, it, it is planted there. That much by is who? made clear. Or, um, who it, said that? By who? The Pokedex. All well, sorts of in-game information. Uh-huh. It doesn't make it clear who. I think it must be their parents. It must be a seed that comes from one of their parents that they plant in its back. I think since I hatched an egg and the bulb is already there, it's just part of him. No, it, it was planted there by its parents, man. It's it's legit. That's 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 in the Pokedex. Well, it would have to be by its mother because the father can be anything in the what monster or grass egg group. So the father yeah. clearly had nothing to do with it. So it must be its mother, yeah. Okay. What well, if its mother's a ditto? Then you wouldn't. You get a Bulbasaur with no bulb. <laughs> that would be great. Naked Bulbasaur. Oh my god, the poor thing. That would be like on commercials in the Pokemon universe with like Sarah McLaughlin, like, oh, oh, that's actually Celine Dion, isn't it? I don't know, but yeah, it's kind of depressing. I mean, he'd be all like in a cage and stuff, and, and um, let's see, who would this be... This Bulbasaur needs your money. That opens up a lot of questions for genetic air experimentation. If you deny the parents access to the child at the moment of birth... You have a very odd-looking Bulbasaur. No, I wouldn't say it dies. I think it would, because Bulbasaurs don't consist mainly on food. They consist mainly by, like, photosynthesizing and stuff. They should still be able to photosynthesize without this big, giant, parasitic flower on their back. No, that's the main vehicle of the photosynthesis. If it was necessary for its existence, it would be in its genetic structure. It would not need to be planted on the creature itself. According to, like, the Pokedex and shit... The creature does have to eat, but not often. Um, well, there subs- you go. No, dude, it subsists mainly on nutrients gathered by the bulb, especially in its youth. And it can go days without eating because it doesn't have to because that's how much nutrients that bulb gathers for it. I still find lots of conflicting information. If it's uh, From a scientific standpoint, a creature cannot be born in a way that is contradictory to its survival, i.e. without a bulb. This is a different universe. Still, why would your genetic genes make your child <laughs> your unable... Genes, as, opposed, as opposed to your Levi's. As opposed Levi's. to like your rude genes, your Levi's. Yeah. Why, why would your genetic structure dictate you to be born in a way that is insufficient to your existence? The Bulbasaurs would have died out a long time ago. I feel like the bulb is there at birth, and because this, because they don't understand how a plant, they, I mean the scientists in the Pokemon you A lot of Pokemon have much more strange origins than that. Such as? Though. Such I, as, I don't know, fucking Garbodor, Cubone, who's supposed to always be wearing its mother's skull, even though we've seen that to not be true. You but could, we'll talk about that in the Cubone episode, because I have my own opinions on that. Oh, yeah. Well, Cubone is obviously Kangaskhan's offspring. How about the fucking Yamask and Kofagrigus used to be people? Like, yeah. And? I'm saying. They used to be people. They died. It said that Shuppet, or uh, let's see, what is it? Bennett was a toy that was thrown away. How did it gain its sentience? There's a lot of questions. Because this universe operates on slightly different rules than our own. Well, it's still, why would you produce offspring that are incapable Nothing, of survival? I assume it's a mutual relationship between the Bulbasaur and the plant that grows on its back to the point that this mutual relationship has occurred for so many eons that it functions as one organism. Like, there are real-life creatures like that in the real world. Still, if it's biologically produced from 
an egg or wherever they breed from, I feel like the bulb is going to be there. It's just going to be part of its genetic makeup. I don't think it's put there. It's not, though. The, the, you don't think, but that's, that's legitimate information straight from the fucking Pokemon world. Yeah, because they're like, oh, let's just put this in there, fat, fat, fat. We could spend the whole podcast talking about this. Let's not. No, what do you, you know think? What? Let's. What do you think they do eat, though? Because they eat a little bit. They do have to eat, but they don't have to eat a lot. Now, do you think they eat insects, veggies, meat, both? We'll, we'll, we'll consider this. You look at the show, and there's like, oh, there's all this food on the table. And then they're like, wait, no, uh-huh. there's, there's nothing that is not Pokemon in this world. So all that's Pokemon. They eat each other. They're all cannibals. I don't know. It eats whatever it sees on the ground, whatever appeals to it. Oh, the bulb geez. pulls in the nutrients, so it's obviously pulling There are in. carnivorous Pokemon and herbivorous Pokemon. Like and, Tyrantrum. Uh, but the bulb, this point of contention that it is... Uh, <laughs> Grows bigger and bigger as the creature grows. Eventually, what? Big shock. It grows. Oh, 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 big shock. I thought you said big shot. Oh, fucking Mr. Big Shot over here. (laughs) Bulb grows. Is that something it does too? Bulb on your back. (laughs) Eventually, it grows big enough to prevent the creature from standing on its hind legs. The more time a Bulbasaur spends in the sun, the faster it grows. And often, they will just nap in the sun. And still be gathering nutrients and growing and yeah. Uh-huh. So I imagine you get a bulbasaur in the sun, it's not very likely to wanna leave. Move and leave and yet. Yeah. Definitely helps to have a Pokeball. Yeah, uh there's actually... you just keep him in there forever and he stays a bulbasaur forever, according to your logic. If you keep him in the Pokeball? Yeah, he's not in the sun, he's not absorbing nutrients, he's not growing, you're effectively cryogenically freezing them inside yeah. something that just suits you. Of course. It's pretty fucked up. Kind of douchey. Uh, there's contention in the scientific community over whether to classify Bulbasaur as a plant or an animal. Oh, I don't know. That should be over really quickly because it's born without the seed, which makes it a plant. Or not a plant, duh. Animal, right? Right? Because the seed is put there, so it's clearly an animal. I mean, what I'm getting at, chronologically, is Bulbasaur hasn't existed forever. I mean, you can all the way date back to Mew and all that other stuff. But, I mean, you know, it's whatever. That, uh, that's not what you were getting at, though. Well, okay. I mean, you look at it this way. Whatever. Let's say Arceus made everything and then Mew and then all of our current stuff is from Mew. Okay, we've got fossils that, have, that are from Pokemon that existed so many thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago. Whatever. How, do, how does that work? Because we've got them from so many thousand years ago. What is the link between them and what's there now? Not what, what we've brought back. Like, okay, so you've got Kabuto, Kabutops, whatever, they died out. Okay, so there's also missing links from what we have now reaching all the way back to Mew. There's got to be fossils of stuff that existed between Mew and what's currently available. Fair. There has to be tons of Pokemon that existed. So where back are in those days. fossils? Are I've they interesting enough to resurrect? I don't know if the, that's the discussion for the Bulbasaur episode, although I'd love to get into it. Do a whole episode on fossils. That's a, that's a really interesting question. So, where did Bulbasaur come from? Um, Their parents? Huh? Their parents? (laughs) Well, yes. True. But you never run into them in the wild. We haven't yet. Uh, There are actually wild Bulbasaur in Kanto. However, they are incredibly rare because they've been designated as starter Pokemon. And hence, 
they're raised by breeders to be distributed in new trainers. Which means there should be way more of them. If, well, there are. See, when I breed, I make like 40 eggs before I get the one I actually like and take and choose and train and glorify and make it beat the Pokemon League. But, I mean, what do I do with the rest of them? I release them. Where do all those Pokemon go? Crickets? Cricketots, anyone? There are wild Bulbasaur, like I said. But right, the there thing should is, be more. They're almost, I, I see it like they're almost like breeds of dogs. You know what I mean? Like, like they're bred on an as-needed basis. Well, no, I mean, what's the word for a species that's evolved as, as a consequence of man domesticating them? Domesticated? That's the word! No, come on, man. I don't, they're, they're mostly raised by breeders. So uh-huh. the majority of the population of Bulbasaurs are breeder-raised. They're not. Uh-huh. They're they're raised in captivity. They're not wild Pokemon. Yeah, but if you get one that has like Down syndrome or some shit, you're gonna throw that in the wild. Come on. Oh my goodness. Nobody wants Phil. a Down syndrome. Well, Bulbasaur. I never. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was kind of jacked up. <laughs> what if you get a retarded Bulbasaur who doesn't have his bulb or his bulb's half dead or something like that? You're gonna chuck that guy into the wild. You know, you know, it's a way of things. Well, there are wild Bulbasaur, like I said. <laughs> yeah, they're all retarded or have Down syndrome. <laughs> I'm going to learn so much about the Pokemon you I'm going to here on Sylph Radio. We take we take this shit serious. Alright, thanks for listening to Sylph Radio. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> 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 